0: The following episode is sponsored by the Social Mobility Commission. Like us, the Social Mobility Commission share a vision of a society where everyone can secure a decent chance of a better future, regardless of their background, and where people can be proud of where they come from, but not be limited to where they can go. We hope you enjoy this discussion.
1: Everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Over the Bridge Podcast. Wherever you are, whatever time it is in the world, whilst you are listening. Um, we're really excited because once again we've got a full cast and this is like rare but we're on fire at the moment And we're also joined by an incredible guest who will introduce herself in just a moment And today what we're going to be thinking about is we're really diving into this idea of class uh, And what it is, we're going to get into the surface, under the surface rather as to what that might be But before we do that, why don't we just say hello and welcome ourselves So Kwaku, Patrick,
2: Tom, how are we all doing?
3: Good girl. Yeah blessed man blessed. Happy days man. All
2: good yeah another working day done.
3: I'm really liking these mics I just want to sing and do the high pitch Tommy Dieting man. <laughs> it sounds like you've had a, a good day Tom you sound in high spirits. Yeah no I'm all good all good man yeah. uh, busy day but now nah, I'm blessed I'm blessed I feel mm-hmm. good man. I feel good. So, cool. Cool.
1: Um, Kweku what about you how's your day been everything good?
0: Yeah man it's
3: been well I was off
0: yesterday a little bit ill so just been kind of playing catch up. Nothing serious. I, I didn't need the R, but I, I love, I love that. <laughs> the just looking out for each other. I love that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm good now just, yeah, basically catching up, planning ahead for an event. And yeah, just, yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good.
1: Amazing. Um, yeah, I'm good as well. Just by the way, I know no one ever asked <laughs> it's so so true no one ever asked for now that's that's what happens in your i could go this this whole episode and no one ever asked me nothing but it's calm man it's okay i've got used to this i've got used to it Um, but anyway enough about us um we're really really excited about introducing our guest to us today um fatima why don't you on mute and tell us about yourself firstly thank you for being here welcome tell the people listening like who you are what you do etc etc
4: Hi, thanks for inviting me to be fair. Um, so yeah, so I'm Fatima. Um, I work in higher education. So I work for a university. Um, and my particular role is within the careers and um, employability services. So, um, it's a really great role. I've been doing it for like three years now. And like where I fit into this jigsaw of employability and careers is I work specifically with employers. So like working with them to basically Bring in opportunities for the students at the university that I work in. But, um, I guess career, I've always worked in education, whether it's been like early years. So primary, secondary, um, but also third sector. So, um, yeah, for me, it's always been about, I guess, just doing what I can to, to help young people. Um, and yeah, the last couple of years since my, my current role, it's shifted towards diversity and inclusion. And I think. Working in it and particularly working with like the, the companies and seeing the corporate professional world. It's opened my eyes. And I guess that's what's really driven me to do more around this. So yeah, so this is a topic I'm really looking forward to. I think, as mentioned earlier, that Mm. from a personal perspective, but also a lot of what I'm seeing in the world of early years careers. Mm. Um, and I guess how employers are trying to work with students and I guess in context the university I work in isn't a Russell group nor is it Redbrook so I guess I really see the impact of it on the for the students whom I work with and so yeah I mean they're they're my kids so to speak so I'm just like I'm doing everything I can to to basically just ensure they get the best start in life really
1: amazing I know like myself and Kwaku as well have spent quite a bit of our time working with young people and you just build that like I don't know it's almost like they their life becomes or you start caring about outside of the context of work right
4: yeah I mean I think because my particular role I'm more behind the scenes so as mentioned I work with the employers and I think part I've always like I've always taken on that role because I think if I was frontline I'd take it on too much. I'd be in tears all the time so I'm just like I I need to do something to help, but if I was frontline, I'd literally just be in tears every night, and I'm—I don't think I'm emotionally stable to see that all the time. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely takes a certain type of person. And and you're from Northwest London, I believe. Yes, yes. Also, like a highlight of me getting you on here.
4: Yeah, turns out we're literally from the same borough, like similar backgrounds in terms of like parents and like yeah. Asian um well I'm like African but um yeah like I think when you reached out to me and then I think I saw a BBC video you did I was like oh my god there's there's more of me in the world this is great (laughs) doing the
1: same life basically (laughs) amazing amazing well the question that we're really looking into today and I want to just throw it straight out there and um see what people say so maybe what we could do is I'm going to ask a question and I just want you to just say yes or no or maybe um and then we'll unpack Kind of why the question that we're looking at today is Is class more than money? What do we
5: think? Yes,
2: yep, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, especially, especially in this country, absolutely. Like the way that the class system is set up in this country is not like, yeah, it's not like our cousins across the pond. It's, um, yeah, exactly. It's a lot more, um codified I think okay okay hold hold that for a second Patrick we'll get there Fatima what about you
4: I mean I think yes and no um I think it 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 really does matter but I think when you don't have money that becomes the priority and
5: Mm.
4: it does have an impact like so I think class trumps a lot of things but I think when you don't have money and money is a concern that becomes a priority so so yeah I'm kind of like in the middle there with that initial response
1: interesting okay so we've got three people said yes uh, Patrick was quite adamantly yes I believe and then Fatima's like yes and no okay um all right why don't we start with one of you that said yes tell me why yes and don't all speak up once <laughs> Patrick you want to
2: Yeah, I can go. Um, uh, I think with class, um, aside from like your sort of your financial, your economic situation, um, there are a lot of things, um, like I said, especially in this country that kind of, um, there is like a kind of cultural capital that you kind of need, um, to be seen as I would say, um, if not middle class upper middle class for sure exactly the two um, words in my head
3: by the way was cultural capital so yeah yeah,
2: yeah. so um like so f- i would say that my upbringing um is middle class um by virtue of um sort of my parents wealth but also like the kind of things that The kind of environments I was put in. Um, But then at the same time, because I was sort of coming from an environment, I was coming from a background where, so my parents were, they grew up working class. uh, And I'd say that, like a lot of my family to this day, um, I'd say a lot of them still identify as working class. Some would uh, identify as middle class. Um, But because I was sort of coming from that sort of duplicitous background, um, there are certain things that I was not exposed to that I think. Um, like to be part of middle class, like without sort of being sort of like looked down on or whatever. Mm. Um, I I wasn't I wasn't privy to. So, um, for me, my sort of assessment comes from sort of like being, I guess, newly middle class and still not knowing all the, not being exposed to all the different kind of cultural capital okay. things that come with it. Okay, okay. interested.
1: is this idea of exposure to a cultural capital. I feel like I actually jumped ahead um, there by asking you to talk about that, Patrick. And I'd be really curious to just take a step back and maybe just ask what class means to us in the first place. And Fatima, because you mentioned, you know, it's yes and no. Yeah. Um, Tell me a bit more.
4: Um, It's an interesting one, because like I mentioned, like I think it's not until, like as I was reflecting on um, this topic, I realised for me, I hadn't actually about class and it wasn't really something I'd really thought about until I went to university I think part of the reason being is where I grew up so as we mentioned I grew up (laughs) North West London and I think the school that I went to on the surface like as a a teenager we all just felt like we were from the same background Um, the only thing that I probably felt was some of my friends or like students in the school maybe had more money like they would have gone on more holidays than I did but in terms of feeling like they knew more and um, by way of like cultural and social capital it felt like we were all sort of on that same level it was only when I went to university so I went to Red Russell Group Mm. and that's where it became very apparent I was like oh okay there's a lot in life that maybe I didn't I didn't realize or I didn't know and that's when it became a little bit more apparent that okay like that there's this world that i've not been exposed to and there are these things or ways of behaving and navigating society that i haven't had the the opportunity um to do so but i think what i'm i guess personality and this is not so much social cultural capital i think just who i am i'm just like right let's just throw myself into the deep end and I'll figure it out um but I think as Patrick said there is definitely you can't discount the social and cultural capital that come with class um but yeah as I said I think it was only until university that I was very aware of it whereas like my upbringing and where I grew up and who I surrounded myself with I didn't really pay that much attention and Mm -hmm. as mentioned earlier it was money for me because growing up we didn't have a lot of money and that was sort of the focus um and that meant more than I guess the other elements
5: yeah yeah I
1: hear that so this idea of like growing up everyone being very similar I suppose Mm. if you grow up in like northwest London I can speak for that myself like just feeling like you're surrounded by people
3: in the same status as you you know in life and you don't even need to question it until you leave there I'm reminded, this reminds me of a, a comedy sketch that I saw years ago by the two Ronnies. I think they're both past now, but, um, you know, like they, they're both all glasses and it was Ronnie Barker and Ronnie Corbett. And they did a sketch in the late 60s about what class actually meant. And it was three, uh, three people, so the tallest one, the, t- the tallest one said, I'm upper class because I'm above them. Uh, both. There was the guy in the middle who said, um, "I look up to him because he's upper class, but I look down on him." The guy next to him because he's lower class. I am middle class, and then the guy at the bottom, which was the 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 short Ronnie, and you know the, he was the shortest one, and he said, "I know my place," and I think that's what it is. I oh, think really. I think I think when it comes to class as well, I think there's often this big um, there is this big chasm in the middle, right? That we're yeah. always kind of. Yeah what's my place? And so the kind of idea of being, because I think when you're, I mean, when you're young, I didn't understand what class was to be Mm. honest, but you're just, because you're surrounded by everybody that, you know, looks like you or speaks like you, you don't really think about it. But when you get into the, the, the real wide world where people speak differently and all of a sudden you realize they have this wealth and whatever, you begin to almost feel like you're being put into a certain place. Yeah. So to speak. And so you kind of feel that way. So I often feel there are a lot of people who, you know, um, can feel like they're in this middle because even there is a question of even within class what is middle class do you know what I mean mm. Mm. Um, I think working class is kind of well understood and kind of upper class as it as far as it goes here well in the UK anyway in terms of land and gentry I think that's understood but what's the rest what's the middle class you know so because um, for example you know if you do it on a salary basis you could have someone who you know is lawyer investment banker you know doctor running franchises making you know six seven maybe more figures and someone making you know less than six figures both saying they're middle class but that yeah. kind of money yeah. can match mm-hmm. to different things so you mm-hmm. know
4: it's Definitely. really interesting that you say that because again as I was reflecting on this I think where I am now in my life I think on paper I'd probably say yeah I'm probably like lower middle class like I'm in a good like a good job as is my 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 partner we own a house like
5: Mm.
4: pre-covid we got to go on holidays like it was it was a nice life but then I think mentally I probably wouldn't automatically associate myself with being middle class but as you said like it's also well what does it mean and I think um I think there's also yeah for me personally like I'd say a fluidity with it. Like my upbringing isn't what I live now. And definitely on paper, I'd say it may be like lower middle class, but my mentality isn't quite there. Like I still don't necessarily feel like, yeah, yeah, I'm middle class. I'm like, no, no, that's not quite me. Like I don't necessarily feel that that's my world. If that Mm. makes sense.
0: That's interesting though, because it's kind of like supposed to show how class is also like an identity as much as it Mm. is like a, a position within a social strata or like a band within the income or whatever the case is. And um I think we're all pretty much in a similar position in the way you described Fatima in that we're all kind of working, uh, you know, professional jobs, et cetera. Um, and on paper, yeah, I guess even for myself, I'd consider myself, and even probably just from my general upbringing, from my educational standpoint, I'd probably be put under lower middle class um and at the same time like I'd never ever 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 like consider myself middle class as far as mm. like how I would self identify mm. um and i imagine how like other people would perceive me based on you know how i speak or generally how i look or where i grew up and, and things like that um so it's an interesting one it is very much linked to identity mm. and there is such a I don't know. Is there's no for me at least, and and definitely I take on Tom's point about the blurriness within the middle that middle section. There isn't for me like a very clear definition of middle class, where it, there is probably more so for mm. um, for working class. Yeah,
1: and it's funny because even in hearing like Fatima and Tom, I guess the way that both of you kind of described. That middle is like, there's like a lower middle, then a middle, middle, then like an upper middle. And there's so many different strata even within middle, like yeah. how, how far do we want to break it down? Right. Um, and then my question and what I'm really curious about, because for all of you so far, you've kind of mentioned that there are things that make you middle class or that make you working class that are not just money. What are those things?
5: Mm. I think um, like in terms of
4: now like I think it's I think it was Patrick I'm sorry I can't remember if it was you mentioned this but the the social and cultural capital like I'm a bit more savvy in terms of sort of knowing I guess how to navigate certain spaces and arenas and um, situations and this is something I've definitely seen in my role that a lot of the students who are perhaps the first in their family to come to university um, and maybe from working class backgrounds or parents don't work in professions you see that this is something that they don't they haven't had exposure to mm. and in turn it's it makes it so much harder for them to get into these roles that would allow them to I guess on paper be cast as middle class um so I think yeah it's for me now it's like I've built up that social and cultural capital and being able to that fluidity to be I guess be able to go back to the ends and just but then at the same time be able to go into spaces where I'm in a, in a room with like law like partners from law firms in like financial services etc um, and yeah, I've definitely seen it in my role and how the students who come from these backgrounds then engage and respond. Um, so, yeah, don't know if that's answered the question. Yeah, so
1: I guess there's what i speaking to for me like, there's a certain level of confidence that comes yeah. like being mm-hmm. feeling comfortable in those kind of spaces.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's interesting, so, like, background wise, previous to my current role. Um, Fatima, I had a role that's pretty similar to you in that um, I worked for a social mobility charity and we support students from um, low-income backgrounds and to get into careers uh, with law firms, investment banks, etc. And one of the reasons it came to being was that the founder who himself is like, you know, identifies identifies himself as a very privileged individual, Mm. went to a private school, End up going to Exeter and realizing that despite the fact that, you know, he had all of these privileges, um, a lot of his um, classmates and friends who were from um, lower income backgrounds worked more like way more hard than him, were a lot more talented than him, um, but still suffered to get work experience or get into these types of prestigious prestigious roles. Mm. And he noticed that a big part of that was due to his network as well. So I think a big part of being middle class is who you have access to. Mm. Mm. If you have uh, uncles or friends um, of the family who are lawyers or accountants or um, work at investment banks and you're able to tap into those networks to get work experience when you're 14 (laughs) at at like a a big bank compared to, um, you know, the average individual that may not have anyone that's in that type of profession within the immediate circle. um, That's definitely for me, a big sign of being middle-class. And it's interesting what you said about like confidence, there is an element of like polish. So I feel like there's circumstances in which you can be, you know, uh, saying the same thing to someone else who has a certain accent, which just makes it sound Mm. to, to, to some people's ears like it holds more weight or that is coming with an extra element of confidence, even though the content of the actual, you know, of what's being said is probably the same. Um, so there's, there's an element of polish being able to say things in a particular way that gives you an aura of confidence that comes with being middle-class as well. And that comes with, I think just, um, who you're engaging with for one, but then the types of conversations you're having. So, um, and I'm not to say that this isn't, something that someone from a working class background might not do. But um, I remember when I was applying to Cambridge and they're talking about like interview and how you can prepare and that kind of thing. Um, And one of the things it mentioned is that just having um, conversations over dinner with your, uh, with your parents or whoever else around like a newspaper article and stuff. And for me, that was like, that's something I'd never do that. We don't even really have like a dinner table to sit down and like, Do you know what I mean? Like really vibe like that. But that's something that someone from a middle class background might've done like naturally and they're used to having like debates and those types of conversations, um, just over dinner. So when it comes to an interview scenario, they, they just naturally can just, you know, riff and just be very confident in those types of situations, um, where someone that hasn't been exposed to that type of lifestyle, again, would find that a bit more difficult and may not come across confident, um, so yeah there's a lot of like soft skills which is the way we kind of phrased it um and polish which which comes with middle class and stat um kind of gives you an advantage in in a lot of spaces where those are skills um that are valued in those professions
1: yeah it reminds me of like because it's Bourdieu, isn't it? Pierre Bourdieu. He talks about cultural capital, and I remember reading this, and it's something about like embodied cap- capital. So, in like the language or the mannerisms, or even your preferences of like what you like, um, mm-hmm. kind of being an indicator there of your like how middle to upper class you might be, having like a certain way of speaking, or even a codified language, or like even particular mannerisms that you might adopt in certain instances. So, I don't know, um even knowing kind of what knife and fork to use, you know, sometimes yeah. Yeah. You fancy dinners and I don't have a clue to this day, what knife and forks are meant to be using when eating different things. Um, but that's something that you, I guess when you are, when it's kind of like you accumulate that knowledge There's
3: when experience. you are. Yeah. 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 One of the things I was going to say was one of the things. So when I went, when I went to Cambridge, I, I took up skiing and I loved it. And so I started going a few years afterwards I started going once or twice every year No, no, all of a sudden. I don't know if any of you guys had this before you have this chat. Oh, have you been skiing? It seems to be the thing that people love doing, right? Have you been here and here and here? And then eventually you talk about it. Like, oh, rah, you go skiing. I'm like, yeah, what's the problem? <laughs> like, And obviously you know what the, but you can imagine what they think the problem is. Like, oh, you can't ski. I'm like, well, I tried it when I was at uni. Where'd you go for uni? And then it opens up a different can of worms. And then you realize that the perception of you suddenly changes because you, you know, you're, you're seen to be, um, over a different class, if you will. And I'm like, well, I just tried it once to see if I enjoyed it and I had a good time the first time I went up there and yeah. And then, you know what I mean? It's just And it's by, it's by experience, I think. And I think that's, I, I think those are the things that money can buy, so to speak. Um yeah. but money can't buy at the same time. That like mm. obviously money can buy the experience. It's like, well, certain things you can't buy for everything else, there's a mastercard it's that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I think it's like that. So yeah.
4: I think for me it's um where in my initial response, um, where I felt it was like dependent, is it's not so much if you have the money, I think it when you don't. Um that's when that ends up becoming um a priority. So again, sorry to kind of keep bringing it back to to my role, but a lot of um, what we do is we try and work with employers and companies to try and um, provide work experience for our students. So a lot of the courses within the university I work in comes with an industrial placement. Um, and what we tend to find is for those students who come from um, backgrounds, again, first in their family or their income is heavily relied on by their parents that that's a factor they I guess I don't want to say they don't have the luxury but they don't have the hundred, the full luxury of just being able to look for a role that they enjoy or a role that they want to exposure to they're also thinking about how can I get paid how mm-hmm. can I stay local um, and be around my family to support them so I think from experience and exposure in my roles it's more so when they individuals don't have it as opposed to it when you do have it in it providing the, that exposure if that makes sense
1: yeah yeah absolutely I think you know it reminds me even earlier I was just messaging a friend of mine who's a diverse inclusion facilitator like myself and he was saying he was running a um, activity on privilege with some clients today where you know it's like the same video that you might have seen time and time again of like people walk in and take a step forward if you've got this thing and there's always the people right at the back who notice where everyone else is and the people further forward don't have to think as to where they are in relation to other people unless you actually turn around and look and notice kind of how much accumulative wealth or class power you might have gained with it. But the more that you're talking, Fatima, and actually everyone, the more it's making me think about this idea of like class changing. And so I've kind of got a two-parted question. One. Can class change? And two, as like a subpart to that question, is university a factory for replicating the middle to upper class? And that's
3: a question for like literally anyone. Second part, no. Not in terms of how you specifically asked it, no. Mm. first part to an extent, but I think it's what base you're starting from. So... I think if you're starting from a working class base and you can go to university and potentially change your life, then I think there's the scope to do it. Uh, However, the one thing I would say is um, I think even going to university, the experience has probably changed because there are loads more people going to university, so to speak. And it's not as, it's still an achievement, so to speak, but it's not as, I guess like numbers wise it doesn't it doesn't make it as much as a commodity as it once was to be a great leveler, so to speak. Mm. you know it can be, but you know that's kind of how I think about it. I can flesh it out, but i want I want others to to speak to you on that, so um,
4: again, I think it's I can only really speak from the experience of um the students whom we work with. I think what it does, it opens up doors to a lot of individuals who otherwise maybe wouldn't have had that opportunity so i do agree with um what you like elements of what you said tom and i do think more students are going to university but the positive thing is is that it is like again only speaking from my university what we strive to do is help to reduce like um the gap like mm-hmm. the attainment gap between those from um, working class like working class backgrounds low um lower working class backgrounds and those from higher achieving backgrounds and what we try and do is um build that bridge between the two um and essentially open up those doors and give our students that exposure so um even as much as I mentioned we try and bring in work experience and opportunities like that some of the the work that I do is not to undermine it but as simple as just giving students the chance to go and visit offices because for a lot of students who are the first in their family to go to university or from working class backgrounds where their parents don't work for banks or law firms or doctors and have those networks the first time when they go for interviews I mean the first time when they see these companies is when they go for an interview so what they're doing subconsciously is I guess, really feeling that imposter syndrome. So rather than just focusing on that interview, they're also thinking, oh my gosh, this is a big building with all these people I've never been around. So they're not able to just really focus. So part of what my team and I try and do is just give them exposure much early on. It's like, right, let's take you in for an insight day and get you networking with um trainees or like grads. So I think what university, some university, I can only speak for mine, what we strive to do is, Um, build that confidence and make it a level playing field. Um, in turn, I do think it probably does like churn out like middle uppercut, like that same type. But I think at the same time, it, we strive to make it a level playing field. So we're bringing in people from backgrounds who, who weren't like, who aren't from those traditional backgrounds.
2: Yeah.
5: I, just, Bill, I was, I was, I was, I was I just it.
2: gonna say um your question sort of um poses an um like another sort of interesting question and that's what do we as a society go to university and and uh, tertiary education for that's what um, I was literally just thinking actually so. oh, okay yeah um so yeah like um I remember in in final year actually no I'm gonna leave that anecdote to the side because I don't want to talk about it too much but yeah just like why what what do we um kind of place value on when it comes to tertiary education um are we going to university to you know um broaden our sort of i guess our intellect uh and learn more about ourselves and you know the world i guess in a very sort of generalistic sense or is it purely an economic pursuit is it purely just to kind of get that sort of badge so that we can sort of climb on the employment ladder um and and sort of yeah just become part of because it just makes me feel like even
1: education as it as as itself right the access to books the access to knowledge was previously something that you had to pay for anyway Mm -hmm. right in in the uk context so therefore the only people who could do that were like the landed gentry or the aristocracy or the people who had money anyway which meant that when you think of like who could therefore get to be smart it wasn't as I suppose accessible and it just makes me think like is education a sign of your class I don't I'm just I'm sitting here baffled, to be honest um but yeah if that's me sorry you were yeah, no. <laughs>
5: um I wouldn't necessarily
4: say education now is a sign of your classes in the broad sense but i do think where you go maybe um so in terms of the type of institution so if we think about sort of the russell Group, there's still i guess the association um with your russell group universities your red bricks your oxbridge and then like everybody else um <laughs> so i think there's still um what's it a hierarchy um as much as like a lot of employers are moving away from it think there's still this subconscious or conscious depending on the, who you speak to association with different types of universities mm. um because i i know we've had employers be quite explicit and say no we only want russell group i'm like okay bye yeah. like as in and we we still that's still there um but positively you also do see um a lot of the employers diversifying and recognizing that um you can still you can recruit great candidates and they don't have to be from Russell Group universities and Red Bricks etc yeah because there's
1: even like that sort of innate class tier system within the university system itself right like Russell even when we talk about like Russell Group Red Brick and those are the unis that people want to recruit from which then means what for students who went to those Mm -hmm. other unis you know and the access to those jobs I just want to move moving it away from uni and education just slightly in terms of like what else because when when you mm-hmm. were everyone was talking at the start about the other things that sort of give you social and cultural capital outside from university, we kind of mentioned the way that you speak we also semi touched on clothing, but then there was this underlying thing of like the things that you're interested in or like I don't know what you do with your time um I'm just curious to hear from people a bit more about that like what are the other things which also are indicators of class and I know Tom you talked about skiing but yeah Fatima
4: I mean accent I, I don't think you can really shy away from like accent I I know I've definitely had it in the past like I to me I I just have an accent like it's quite generic and from what I hear but there's definitely been occasions where people have been surprised that I sound the way that I sound and I'm just like I I don't know I don't know what you're expecting (laughs) me to sound like as in like I think they I, I got caught off guard um but I do think accent is something that you can't get away from I think there was a an article just this weekend I don't know if anybody read it around not to sorry I'm bringing it back to education but it was very specific to university but how different regional accents um, are judged mm. um, and I think it's not just specific to universities across the board There, unfortunately as a society like there are different pockets in the country that are deemed as lower class compared to others so yeah you can't get away from the accent which is unfortunate yeah.
0: yeah it's interesting so when it comes to accents the the kind of extent that people go to, to in order to what they see as like Change the accent in order to be more socially mobile mm. so um one of my former colleagues she's from um up north I think like stockport and um I used to like chat to her and I'd be like, oh, you really don't sound like you're from from up north at all and he's like, yeah like I've actually took elocution lessons to to sound more southern because oh,
5: wow. um she wow. felt
0: like she had a bit of a chip of her shoulder about her accent because the way people would perceive her and I mean, alongside that, hurt, she's like blonde and like, um, do you know what I mean? They're kind of like those stereotypes of like the ditzy blonde person on top yeah. of having a Northern accent. She's just like, no, I, I need to like change this. And I've had like so many other um, interactions with people that are from like Durham or from um, Belfast and places like that where they, I'm like, you sound nothing like where you're from. You mm. sound like you literally just could be from from Kent or wherever else. Mm. Um, and yeah, is is definitely a, is is a big thing, and it's, I mean, just the fact that you have to, in some sense, like kill an aspect of your identity in order to adapt and get on is, yeah. um, it's quite a damning thing, isn't it? It's like you have, it's like forced
1: assimilation, right? Because you know what what's valued and what's not, and like if your voice is seen as on un- unvalued or devalued then like you know what does that mean for you because that's such a such a basic part of who you are is just the way that you sound right mm-hmm.
4: I mean it's really interesting I am um, once attended a talk and it, it was very specific to education I promise I won't bring it back to university um, <laughs> but it was around like recruitment and um, linked to, like social mobility and um, the diversity of recruitment and one of the questions was around well um, like the social and cultural capital and one of the panelists said something that still stays with me to this day it's Like, yeah but whose culture mm. Who, whose culture are we encouraging again bringing it back to um, university encouraging students to build up the social ca- social and cultural capital for mm. and I thought that was a yeah. really interesting point and um, because even to the accents it's like but
5: that
4: like your colleague was taking elocution lessons, but for whose benefit? Yeah. Um and who's like this I guess this overarching like overriding ruling culture, so to speak. And it's like yeah, I just thought that was a really interesting point that they'd raise.
1: Yeah. I mean, Tom, I know you've read this book as well, but in Girl Woman Over, right? By Bernity Never East though there's yeah, a chapter yeah, yeah. about this about Carol. Carol I'm really yep. thinking about that, yep. that chapter. And just to summarize, for anyone who ain't read the book, um, this girl Carol is like your normal working class, uh, second generation immigrant girl, grown up in South London, ends up going to I think Oxford or Cambridge or somewhere like that, and very quickly sort of has to adapt in terms of what she's interested in. So finds her interest in classical music or fine art and other things that she'd never sort of been exposed to growing up because of this idea of like the, who who benefits from sort of having to assimilate, who's getting thought about versus who's having to do that extra work, you know? And it's just, I don't know, the more that you were talking, the more that that chapter just come into mind. Um,
3: yeah, no, I've, I definitely think that, um, I don't know. I, th- I I also think there's this there's this kind of element of sometimes when you're by yourself be it in terms of, I mean, we're talking about class here in particular, but you know, if you, if you feel like you're the only person who comes from a working class background in your immediate space, working space, uh, work colleagues, workmates that you'll be around, there's almost a pressure to conform. It's just like the, the law of large numbers means that there will be a natural convergence process. It's like when people say, you know, you got four of your closest friends, like you, you, um, you're basically, get, you're just, you're those, tongue, I'm tongue tied, those yeah. habits will, will rub off on you and you'll end up being the fifth person who has the exact same habit. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, someone said, if you've got four broke friends, God forbid, nobody's portion, but you've got four broke friends and you're always around them, who's going to be the fifth? That kind of thing. It's cool. just like a, it's like the lure of a... The law of attraction, so to speak, you know? So if you're around people and they have certain interests and you may not be into, you know, those interests as, as such, you're, you're probably going to try different things, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's going to be this convergence process. And I also think it's, it's kind of um, quite a, uh, I don't want to not the word primeval. There's kind of a, an instinctive thing where almost the element of survival, so to speak, um, you know, you wanna be in a pack and you wanna uh survive and thrive in that pack. So you try and assimilate, but there is almost an element of of being forced. And sometimes I guess that can create this cognitive dissonance because you're like, you know, you can I'm not this person, I have this accent. Why do I have to go and change? Why do I have to be this and this and this? I I, I definitely think it's sort of a um nurture like the whole nature versus nurture argument. I definitely think is it's it, it, it's it's nurture overtaking nature. Um and I think that applies to the realm of class too.
1: Yeah, I've got so many thoughts in my head and I'm like, which one do I even go with and ask a question or am I just going to say something? Because like at the moment, I'm like really thinking about in my own life where I've sat with my own class and similar to how everyone kind of opened and said, you know, like I uh, yes and no. Um, yeah, I do think class is more than money. But where am I? Like, am I middle class? Am I lower middle class? Am I new middle class? And by what factors am I evaluating myself on class? You know, is it the fact that I went to uni? Is it the fact that I can now cook salmon? I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what am I going with here? You've
4: got a cheese and wine board every Sunday.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, what? What is it? That's make, why do I think I'm middle class now? And my mum and dad are working class. And what are we both? What are we doing differently? That makes me middle class. That makes my parents working class. You know, like, is it a lifestyle, or is it? Is there some? Is it like a rite of passage that something happens and then you graduate from working class into middle class?
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, we had this discussion ages ago, didn't we? About about. Um, I mean, it was more an intersection between race and class, but we also had this discussion in that it was very early on. I think I can't remember which episode but it was. Really, like, the very first season that we did. Um not that we do seasons now but I mean the, the I think the question was at what point do we feel like we all became middle class and I think the common factor for us probably was when we graduated from university I.e., specifically mm-hmm. we graduated from Cambridge and then went on we were like well it's kind of hard to say I went to Cambridge I'm working class mm-hmm. as in me not your not not our, our parents That's different but ourselves I went to Cambridge but yeah, I'm still working class because that kind of doesn't Match up it Sounds weird, yeah. don't it? It's just yeah. like no one would expect that. It's, yeah. It's
4: See, funny. I was um as I was reflecting on this, I think um, as mentioned at the start, like where I am now in life, like even as I, I try to get it out, I can't fully get it out in one fluid sentence. I'm <laughs> like, I have to pause, I'm like, oh, I'm a middle class. But I think um my experience, so just to give a bit of context, so like my my parents on paper, again it's a weird one. They're profession professionals. So like my dad's an engineer, my mum's a nurse. But in terms of and this is perhaps why I I, I associate it with money. We mm. we didn't have a lot of money. Um we moved from house to house. It was like rented properties for a very long time and we all like we essentially like my parents then divorced and then um we lost our house, and for a good like six, eight months, my mum, my brother and i we were we were homeless, and we lived in basically like you know when the council provides you like b and b so I think i i guess it's rooted in my experience in that, yes, this is where I am now, but my experience and my upbringing is that of working class and not having money um so yeah, and I think it's similar, I guess to what you said phil, it's like. I know this is where I am. I'm at, but that's who I was. And that's what yeah. got me to here. Yeah. Like,
1: mm. yeah. Yeah. Kodiki, what were you going to say?
0: Oh no, I was, just, I was just, uh, kind of like, yeah, agreeing and, and, and just noticing the same, well, similar thought patterns in my own experience as well. Um, is 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 a hard one man. and i sometimes i actually wonder like how how useful of a thing is it to try and classify yourself um in many ways <laughs> society kind of does it for you anyway but then yeah. is like how much kind of thought I want to put towards saying okay this is why i am in life And this is a measure of success for me. Like, is the goal to say, Mm. I've successfully Mm. become middle class and now I can take that box.
5: Like, I Mm. think a
0: lot of people
1: have this kind of working class shame or like this wanting to move from working class to middle class. And I don't know personally if I think that that's healthy or a good thing.
5: Mm. Because
1: if we're thinking of class as money okay cool everyone wants to have money in life that's fine but when if you're thinking of class as like your culture or the things you eat or like doing or like listening to or like watching you know why should you want to change those things
5: you know yeah
0: yeah i mean yeah. It's, it's, it's a sense of pride for some people so actually it's like some people yeah i'm i'm very happy to say like i'm working class or like i'm from humble from a humble background and i've made good from you know what i've been able to to do through hard work or whatever the the case is so and it's probably part of the reason why some people can end up being relatively well off but still identify as working class
3: yeah it sort um, of reminds me of um sorry quick no no feel, go on quick i was just no i
0: was going to give an example so like you have
3: um you know people that i mean for instance electricians and
0: plumbers who may have started like and um, which are considered like working class jobs but they may have made a become self-employed or made a company from it and are you know very well off and they still consider themselves working class um with you know middle com middle class means in a sense so um which is why it's not it's 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 not that kind of clear cut for me
3: yeah i was i was gonna say someone that always comes to mind is is uh well lord sugar i mean despite you know That's some exactly, of the stuff yeah. that he says but it's the whole thing of okay i started off in in clapton selling i don't know what dvds or i don't know what he was doing, selling video machines that yeah. amstrad amstrad stuff right and oh, you yeah, do yeah. up something and then all of a sudden you know i remember one what he was doing this documentary with piers morgan he said yeah if i if i've got a a seven figure. No, he said a hundred million check that can clear. I said, wow. Okay. You know, and that's sort of like, you know, so, and, and I don't, I don't actually know if he says he's still middle class. I think he he just knows he's gone clear and he's like, okay, but I think mm. he still refers to the fact that he came from uh, middle class roots. But I also think as well, I, I think, I think the whole class idea can be quite linear, but then when you bring in other intersectionalities, particularly mm. race, I think that's when it kind of gets muddled up a little bit. I think,
4: I was just going to add that because um, I'm not sh- I I'm not sure if you've read um, why I'm no longer talking to white people about race, but I think it was one of her last chapters. She actually touches on class um, and that intersectionality, and that for a lot of I guess black and Asian and people from ethnic minorities, that even if they are again on paper might perceive themselves as like or are middle class, there's still this. This discomfort with fully associating with being that. And because I guess there are commonalities and traits with being like based on race with the working class. And I thought when I listening to that, I was like, my God, that's so true. Like that's definitely like elements of what I feel. So yeah, I don't know if you. Have read it or recall that chapter. Yeah, that uh, now you're saying it. I'm
1: like, I actually remember reading this. It was a couple of years ago now, but I, yeah, I really do remember reading it because I thought it really resonated. Because at the time, I, would, I think I'd just come back from Jamaica, and you know, we'd spent some time over there with family, and then looking at how the class system. There's an obvious class system there. There's a class system in every, There's a class system in Jamaica, which is just different because mm. it's not it's not racialized as much. But there's, there's colorism in the class system in Jamaica, which is very interesting to sort of notice and observe. But it's not like there are black people who are upper class. You know, there are black people who are middle class. Whereas in the UK, it's almost, even if you are, it's like how other people will perceive you, which is the thing. Yeah, like, I was like, going to yeah. say. perceived does not.
3: Because when I think about like the States, for example, and I know people say, oh, in the States, and I, I definitely believe this is true, that, that color trumps class in the States. Um, especially if you're black, um, and, and I think recent scenes kind of can almost attest to that. But when I think about, if I try to think about class in 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 the states, there are obvious. I think if you go to a place like Atlanta, for example, the, where there's a a huge population of black people, mm. I think that's when the that's when class is evident more uh, amongst black people, so to speak. Whereas I think in 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 the UK, because Well, one black people are, uh, by census numbers anyway, you know, quite a, a, I mean, we're a large minority, but still in the grand scheme of things, you know, quantum wise, we're still quite small um, in absolute terms. And so there may be pockets of people in London, particularly that uh, have done well, gone to uni, doing, you know, good jobs, or being entrepreneur or whatever. and, And on paper that becomes middle class, but because there isn't a focal point of, uh, enough people, I guess, and and your kind of your you know your day to day is working with people from other races, mostly white people. Then I think it becomes uh, difficult, not difficult, but mm. different in the sense that the focal point isn't race, the fo- uh, isn't class. I beg your pardon. The focal point is more race than class. Mm. I think I don't know if I've got that out kind of correctly, but it's it's quite a hard train of thought. But I I kind mm. of just think that. Yeah, there is yeah. a class, but you know, I think other things that will trump the uh, the class system, I guess, so to speak, or at least in in the mind of yourself as, as well as others.
4: Yeah, I think I I I think I understand what um um you're saying because I again I saw something a few months ago, and not so much linked to class, but it was around gender, um, and it was do you see yourself as a black woman? Or do you see yourself as black or a woman first? Hmm. And again, it was a question. That I was like, oh, like, you know, when people just very questions, you and' you're like, oh, I wasn't ready for that today. <laughs> okay. um, I was like, yeah. I just wasn't ready. But then it was really interesting because for so long, I guess my default would have been like feminism and like gender, like that would have been something that I would have like, really like championed and not to say wouldn't have done from a race perspective but in that moment as I was reflecting I was like actually the world sees me as black first before they see me as Mm. a woman and I think the point that you raised Tom it's like like the world and the perception it's like they see the race first before like you can't get away from that and I think there is I bang on about this at work all the time the intersectionality you can't Mm. you can't dim it down because of how big of an impact it does have particularly when you are from like ethnic backgrounds and the layers it adds to everything like gender class like sexuality everything so yeah
1: yeah it's funny it's like you can't have a conversation about class without having an intersectional conversation conversation rather because I feel like you miss a lot right if you just look at class as like this thing on its own without thinking about how everything else is part of you plays into the perception of your class background
5: it's, yeah
1: it's really t- you know when I because I do this training and I remember the way that I used to talk about classism with clients was in terms of um basically the music or the art or the literature that people consume and like and what gets policed and what doesn't and I used to talk about um like Shakespeare how Shakespeare, if you look at any plays or any sort of Shakespeare writing, there's these these themes of slang and violence are literally what Shakespeare is. It's about in most of the plays, someone dies tragically, or there's gangs fighting each other, there's some madness going on. But then when you look at literal forms of other art, which are produced by people every day. So when you think about like drill artists being policed for their music, which is talking about their own lived reality, off violence and then being told they can't perform it publicly where you've got people lauded over sort of west side story or romeo and julia and stuff like that and it's just I don't, know, i don't know it just makes me think of like what who gets policed for their interest which is part of their culture and who doesn't and therefore what then
4: mm. i guess it kind of goes back to
1: high cultural value culture um
4: Sorry, I was just going to say, I guess, um, yeah. as you say that, it just reminds me of that question again. It's like, whose culture? Yeah. Um, as in like, whose culture? And I, going back to class, I can't remember who mentioned it. Sorry, but just around like the topics that you discussed around the dinner table and like in certain settings, it's like, well, who dictates that? Yeah. Um, and how that is then like, um, slotted into these different categories.
1: Yeah, like who's who's actually doing it? That's weird because it's not like anyone's sitting there doing it on purpose. I don't know. It's, it's like when we go, who is doing it? I could never yeah. think of who is actually doing it because it's not like it's that one guy, like it's him, you can blame him for it. So yeah. It's, it's all, yeah, it's just all of us, right? Oh, no, mm. Something
0: interesting came to mind. Um, sorry to cut you off. No. Um, you mentioned like working class shame, right? And I was just I'll just reflect on an interactions I've had with people either at uni or after uni. Um, and funnily enough, it feels like there is an element of like middle-class shame as well, where yeah. people are very apologetic about being from middle-class backgrounds or having a, you know, a dad that pays their rent or uh, things of that nature that basically show that they they have a, you know, quite a, an element of privilege that most people may not have. um, And it also made me think about how, as you were talking about the arts and and creative um, endeavours that are kind of like looked down upon, um, how like black working class culture and the creative output of black working class people is now pop culture. And how a lot of the fans are, you know, white middle class people, and the reason why a lot of these artists are able to become socially mobile from being from ends doing X, Y, Z in order to and an income um, and all the negative that comes with that and then being able to transcend and become artists and rappers and jail artists and uh, grammys MCs, et cetera, is because of <laughs> uh, middle class yeah. people yeah. that buy into that the aesthetic of that culture and like the the output that's coming from it and how there's there's a, a very weird interaction now where being middle class was like a is a signifying factor that shows how you are better and now it's actually is not the at least for our generation and and, and the generations under us and um it's, it's not actually that cool to be middle class do you get me like people much rather have and co-op the the image of being working class, um, which kind of adds like a very weird dynamic to the mix as well. It's like this idea of it being cool, you
1: know, Mm. appropriating the working class culture or the Mm. bits of it that you like.
5: Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: it's interesting. interesting. I'm just conscious of time because I know we've been talking for ages and I've actually been sitting here just think. This is one of them podcasts where I just think a lot because there's so much, yeah. so much going on in my head, um, and I think I'm going to be thinking all night. But in terms of really the benefits, and I think I'm thinking now, Fatima, in terms of for your students mm. of of this conversation about class, are there any benefits for students in recognizing or having conversations about class?
5: Um, I think um. There,
4: there is. Um, I'd say the benefit definitely comes when, uh, like, the institutions are aware of it. Particularly if you've got um, students who are from like demographics where they're the first in their family to go to university, or mm. from like working class, and then they're actively doing things to support the students. So I know I've got a lot of colleagues who take the the things like um the social and cultural capital into consideration um by way and feed that into how they engage with students at a lecture level mm. so for example uh, there's an assumption that now that students go to university they just know how to navigate university but that's not the case um and it's actually having to i guess go back to basics with some elements of it and. The good thing is for those colleagues who are doing that, it's giving those students a better chance at navigating university. So what we do within my world and our department is really encouraging them to get involved in societies and build up those networks. So they can be exposed to things like skiing and like hockey society and Mm. um, getting involved in like careers events where we're not just giving them work experience for the CV, but it's like, right, here's your chance to go visit an office before you even have to go for an interview. So you get those nerves, like you can dust the cobwebs and like build that confidence there. So I definitely think there's the, a benefit when those who have the power, so to speak, to Mm -hmm. then put provisions and initiatives and schemes and things like that in place to then support the students. Um, There's also the benefits of students, but I, I also appreciate the, they've got their essays and assignments and all these other things to think about. But if we're thinking about it, to be able to create opportunities and signpost them to things, hopefully that in turn will help them. I mean, it was something that I, again, it was a, a conference that I went to. It's for a, a lot of students who come from say working class backgrounds. They see some of them, the majority see universities as the end point mm. and don't necessarily utilize and navigate it um, and take full advantage of it compared to say those from um middle class backgrounds where the conversation was around don't forget to join a society and do this and network and build build your network so um For us, at the very least, what we try and do is encourage students to be like, use us, use us to like as much as you can. So when you get to the end and you're applying for roles and whatever it is you want to do, you feel like you've got as much from it as you can get. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully that's answered the question there.
1: Oh, yeah, really, really did. Um, Tom Kwaku, any sort of last thoughts or words on this question that we started with, which is, is class more than just
5: money?
3: Uh, I, uh, I don't know. I think I'm reminded of the expression, like nouveau riche, which is like new money, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think sometimes that can be the difference between money and class. When you think about old money, new money, old money can put you in places that money just can't buy you. Um, Mm -hmm. whereas new money can buy you a couple of things, but it can't always buy you. It can't put you into certain seats on the table. You know, um, and I think that can be, uh, um, you know, that can kind of present a nice dichotomy, I think. But uh, yeah, it's. A, I'm still thinking about it now. So uh, Kweiko, over to you, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's, it's,
0: the, the short answer for me is like, and my initial reaction remains the same, which is that class definitely is more than money. Um, but money is a major factor mm-hmm. towards determining what class you're in Um, and the real where i'm conflicted is whether or not it should be your ideal outside of the money aspect because yeah if you want to earn you know good money then more power to you um but for you to want to adopt the kind of social cultural capital that we've discussed before in order to um, so-called graduating to the middle class or to the you know, upper class, whatever the case is. Um, I'm in two minds about whether that is a mission that you should really, really be, that should be at the forefront of your mind when you just go about navigating how you move in the world. Um, because there's an element of self-deprecation or self-hate that I think, hate is probably too strong a term, but that comes with, with that and seeing yourself as inferior, um, and I think there needs to be a strong sense of self outside of what you know people may deem as class. And yeah, the sooner that can happen, I think the less relevant the class conversation. That's probably too strong a claim to make, but yeah, I think is a, is a, is a good. Is, I think the focus should be on like definitely. Um, doing everything that is in your power to um, kind of be successful in life and defined by your own terms, of course. But um, if that means kind of losing yourself in, in, in the process to kind of assess whether or not that is something that you are happy to do and um, is that something that you're able to keep up? Because one thing is like, for instance, let's say getting a job at a, um, an investment bank for instance or uh, a prestigious law firm and kind of jumping through the hoops um, changing your accent whatever the case is in order to get there but then there's the the maintenance isn't it are mm. you are you happy to continue playing that role or showing a, a diluted or a different version of yourself in order to progress and thinking about what that means to you and what that does to your sense of sense of self and your mental well being, et cetera. So um yeah, as always, these conversations that they just end up with me having more questions and more <laughs> um, <laughs> more things to reflect on. But um
1: I'll I'll end it with that amazing um thank you by the way i'm just going to bring it to a close there because there's so much like you said so many more questions and answers
3: which i sometimes
1: think is a really positive thing wait wait, wait but like. Like, hold on hold on hold on Go wait on then, one second one you got second. a song for us
3: you no actually to say i'm actually gonna ask you what about you give us oh, some what final remarks
1: yeah. wow wow that's the first time i've been asked a question in like three years of podcasting <laughs> <laughs> um, no i'm joking. um what do i think i think for me um yes there is obviously an element of money tied up in class, um, for sure, because that's a big determining factor in what your class background is. And I also think that whether or not you're an aristocrat and you lose money, it doesn't change your class background. You know, you still have that name that you can refer back to, and that's a big part of who you are, whether or not you personally go bankrupt or not. Um, So I do think, yes. But I also believe that, you know, this element of, Bourdieu's idea of cultural capital of the things that, that are just inherent as part of what we access and we know when we are from a middle class background play a massive deal and I see that currently sort of in my own role. Um, being a dni facilitator in organizations where people often talk about their their like struggles with coming to terms with the mechanisms of a middle to upper class system particularly in the city and kind of like big big four organizations etc so thinking about um what might be needed and i really hear kweku's point there on i i don't think people should feel the need to assimilate or feel the need to change anything about themselves Mm. or who they are and what their interests are particularly students and just to be confident really like whilst you might be the first in your family to go to uni which is a big deal I remember that for myself being like whoa what does this mean for me that there is absolutely no obligation to suddenly be interested in Mozart if you don't want to be or to suddenly like Mm. be interested in all these things if you generally don't want to be cool if you want to be do it but it's not at the expense of the stuff that's already part of who you are. Um, And to be confident that those things are just as valid and just as important, I think, is where we need to be at in society to recognise that working class culture is of high value, but not of high value to appropriate. And that I think at the moment, that's where we're at, right? That is only... The the value in it is only insofar as people want to wear it or take it or be like Stormzy's so cool or whatever it is that people want to do in the moment of kind of appropriating from the working class but just actually recognising the innate value of it and being able to be comfortable to talk about working class uh, art or literature or music or etc just that work um where previously i think that where we're currently at is there's one way of talking at work and the code switching that happens when you leave so just being comfortable in that is sort of where i want to where i think the world should be at in regards to the class so thank you tom that's my thoughts on that um but yeah by way of bringing it to a close then um I just want to say thank you to everyone. It's been a really cool conversation uh, for anyone listening. You would have noticed that Patrick dropped off. Don't worry. He's he, he's still alive. He's fine. Uh, he just wasn't here for the rest of the conversation. Um, but he messaged to say that this was a really useful and powerful conversation as well. Um, for people listening, though, Fatima, who might particularly want to get in touch with you, where and how can people find you should they want to?
4: um so I'm on Twitter this is where I'm like I don't really know my Twitter handle like I, <laughs> I join and I use it to um so yeah so if you do want to find out I guess like more about what I do and particularly just work with myself and my team and supporting our students so it's Fatima F Ahmed one at Twitter and yeah um yeah be more than happy to have a chat
1: amazing thank you well thank you for joining us today it's been a really powerful conversation hope that all of you listening have enjoyed it if you have enjoyed it message us if you haven't don't know i'm joking please do just find us uh, on the socials at otb podcast uk that's twitter and instagram Uh, or you can always email us at otb podcast uk at gmail.com we love it when you email us exciting news we were featured as one of the nine black british podcasts that you should be listening to so if you are listening to us well done you're listening oh, to spotify uh, and taking their advice uh, please do continue to share what we're up to and share some of your episodes that you have loved with people because we always love it when you do that but thank you very much that is us done for today was is class more than just money the verdict is still out on that But it was a very useful conversation and um, we'll catch you again next time